You're listening to Art of the Flow. Welcome to Art of the Float, the podcast where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast that tells the stories of us running float centers. We love giving tips on running our float centers, on starting our float centers, improving them, all that good stuff. And uh, I'd like to welcome Amy Grimes from Float Nashville. Hey, y'all. Lance Foss from Red Deer Canada. or I was going to say Alberta, Canada. Red Deer Canada, uh, the float shack. How are you doing, Lance? Well, you were right in all those terms. Oh, it's was Red I? Deer, okay. Alberta, <laughs> Canada, the float shack. Hello, everyone. You know, it's outside the U.S. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. I can't follow our politics over here. I can't follow your, your borders. Um, but uh, we are welcome, guys. We are uh, on Facebook on um, Art of the Float. We're on Twitter at Artful Floating. And uh, as always, you can leave a voicemail for us to talk about on the show. Uh, it's known as a speak pipe. If you go to our website, it's the gold bar on the left side of the screen. Click that and you can record your voice. We'll play it on the show and talk about it, answer your question, uh, whatever you prefer. We've got a lot of topics we want to talk about today. We are, I think this will be our final episode of employee-specific episodes. I feel like there is more. I was thinking about a managerial episode, but we got we to gotta call it good for this. I feel like it's too, too general for any business, and I want to get to more, some more specific float stuff in, in the following weeks. But we have a really important topic to kind of wrap it up, which is when to uh, terminate employment, I guess, maybe is the nicest way of saying it, but basically when to fire somebody, when to... Let them go. So I'll be interested to talk to you guys about that. Um, I also want to talk about a, a comic that was in the New Yorker about uh, floating, and um, uh, a few other things, um, in, including some speakers at the float conference that that we'll get to later. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into that bit later. First, as always, just want to give a shout out to Float Away. The simple act of floating in warm, salty water is the most relaxing experience on earth. This has been Float Away's byline for more than 15 years. It's true for each of the eight different models and in all the 40 or so countries where happy customers float in Floataway float tanks. Floataway is proud of these specially equipped round pools in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where research is really putting floating on the mainstream map. Check them out at floataway.com and find out how the company has pioneered new techniques, new shapes, and new ideas in floating. The founders, Colin and Ginny Stanwell-Smith, are world experts on every aspect of flotation technology. Floataway is a family business within the floating family. Again, Check them out at www.floataway.com. Um, it's been a, a pretty light week. Uh, last week, I think I, I talked about having a fire inspection and was very nervous about it. Well, um, Amy, you asked, like, what do I have options? And yeah. I, I didn't know what my options were. Uh, so we had the higher up level uh, fire guy show up. And um, good news it was right off the bat, he was really fun and nice, which I think helps a lot. He right off the bat was saying things like, I'm not here to cause pain to small businesses. You know, like he, he kind of ingratiated himself to us pretty quickly. Of course, my guard was still up of, you know, what, what are you actually going to kind of bring to the table or serve us here? And, 
you know, we've, we've got a few wires going around the float shop and that there's, I had some nervousness about that, mostly speaker wire, fortunately, uh, which is far less of a red flag. Um, but, uh, the, the main thing that I talked about last week that I've been very <laughs> stressed over is whether we can have windows on the second story. Um, mm. and I mean, I'll, I'll save you from the, the whole inspection, but it went very well. I was, I was really pleased with it by the end. And he actually, even though he pulled away the curtain and he said something like uh, of one of the float rooms and saw that it was, you know, sealed shut. He says something effective. Wow. Most people don't want to seal their windows shut. Like that's unusual. <laughs> um, and just went on. And then he was, he had actually left and Sandra goes, do we want to ask him about those windows? My first inst- instinct was, hell no. Are you kidding me? We just passed <laughs> the inspection. We got two more years. Like, let's, let's do this. And then I was like, oh, wait you know what, it's probably best to bring this up now so we know how to handle this. Like, it's going to be an issue at some point. Can we just get final say on it? And uh, we went out uh, to talk to him, and he said he doesn't think it's going to be an issue. He wants us to email him, and uh, he'll, he'll find out the real specifics about it. But apparently the good news is we have two stairwells uh, going up to the second story. So even though you don't have two exits out of that room, you have two stairwells to go left or right when you leave the room so i i i don't know who does the research on on what makes a safe uh burning building but um apparently two stairwells is is the key so man that that was really nice and by all means we had a a list of things we're using a couple extension cords that you you're not allowed to use i don't know what it's like across you know the rest of america and canada but um you have to use power strips. You can't use extension cables. So we do have to switch a couple things. I'm going to have to do some conduit for the speaker wire so it doesn't, you know, there's not just free looking wires. And to be honest, it'll just make the shop look better, which is great. Like it's just a little incentive to have us dial things in and, and make it look uh, a little bit, a little bit cleaner cut. So not, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, yeah. Good. Sounds like a fairly painless week. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly painless week. I, I actually, that makes me uh, want to ask a question, which is, do you guys ever feel like you lose sight of your business the aesthetically? Like you, you get so used to it that you don't notice that the, the, there's a, I don't know, a crack or the paint needs a second coat, that kind of thing. You know, I, Mark and I just had this conversation, my, my <laughs> business partner and I yeah. just had this conversation this week as we got ready to remodel. And it's not that we don't notice it, because we do. We actually make a list of everything that needs uh, touched up. Nice. But we, we have a tendency to just have a different reality in our heads. We get so <laughs> tired. Mm. The list is long. Yeah. yeah. Mar- <laughs> you know. And so we kind of like, okay, yeah, but surely nobody else sees it that way. But they really right? do. Right. Um, and, and we are making, with this remodel this week, we're really making a commitment to, hey, let's not let some of this stuff. Uh, go because I think the little things even if people don't consciously pick it up they subconsciously pick it mm-hmm. up and there mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. a sense of um, of is it is it a higher end is it a medium class you know or I shouldn't say class but a higher end business or a, a lower end business um, based on probably it's the little things that yep. really add up yep. so that's a good point yeah I, I feel it I feel you <laughs> I get that yeah I always <clears throat> excuse me I always try to make a go into the shop with a nice fresh set of eyes and Mm -hmm. you know that helps a lot when I work away for a few days and then I go back and Mm. um, you know because 
the little things, like if you have some dirty trim, like we're walking past that trim every single day, multiple mm-hmm. times a day. Sometimes we often overlook that little dusty trim, but somebody that's coming into your float center for their first float, that may be the only time they're ever there. That So the little things that, oh, I'll just leave the mop bucket there for five minutes. They <laughs> see that mop bucket oh, yeah. there. And that's, that's, you know, the only five minutes they may ever walk past there, the mop bucket's there. So always try to keep a fresh set of eyes and, and try and finish everything up and tuck it away because I think every little every little thing's a goes the distance when right. you're talking about the details. Everything's a tale. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, the devil's in the details, right? And the only person I think who's gonna prioritize that are the owners. Like, it, I think it's very difficult to get employees to see it that way of of that kind of that big picture thing. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't think that's impossible. And I think we've made ridiculous amount of progress at the float shop but there's just this overarching view that is unparalleled that and and things that will considerations that you'll make lance that i I don't think anybody else would unless they were a business owner and probably a float center owner um, that you just can't at least so far i don't know how to impart that on to somebody else (laughs) it's interesting um as we move forward, one of the things that Mark and I are working on, uh, well, we've just started, but we, we plan to introduce it is we do have a chore list and we talked a little bit about that last week, but you know, we had things like, okay, in your downtime, you can dust, you can do this, but now we have to go back through and define what does dusting mean? Oh, interesting. Uh, so it means picking up the salt lamp, working around the salt lamp. It means going in and our display of, uh, gel, bath gel, shampoo, that sort of thing that we sell dust all those off it means dusting along the top of the pictures and we really have to define it and i think that's we're going to move forward with that and see what happens but it's true your employees not that they mean any harm by it but they don't think the same way that you do as an owner for the most part i think so defining and and everybody comes from different uh different places right Um, my mother's sense of my mother's definition (laughs) of dusting would not be my definition of dusting Uh trust me Uh so you know we all come from different places (laughs) um so defining those simple chores that we feel are simple and everybody should know how to do is is um important and and then it's not so overwhelming those little things do get taken care of a little bit quicker or may not happen that's very true I, I also like when we hire somebody, their fresh eyes always bring something to the, to the table, too, uh, along with just, like, fresh energy. But definitely the new eyeballs, uh, they spot things that's like, oh, yeah, the ceiling is falling down. Right. We should fix that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that this was a big deal. I, I don't know if this ever happens to you guys, but um, today's our construction day, and we're, we're pretty much done with construction on the new room, but it's still construction day. There's always stuff to do, and uh, I had all these plans for doing some soundproofing in the infinity room. I was really excited about it. went out and got some, some thick sheetrock, and then um, I, I remembered that our speakers stopped working um, and that uh, because of all the construction, some of the wires actually got snipped. And I ended up spending pretty much my entire day, besides the fire inspection, redoing the speaker wire, which is such a simple, it should have been such a simple thing, but we've got just, the the uh, previous owners had done all these crazy speaker wires through walls and stuff, and it's all over the place. And uh, do you just ever find, like, you have a goal, uh, maybe even, like, free time to get something, a project done, and then it just feels like, whether it's a hundred other things that are grabbing your attention, or just... You never even work on that project, or you, you get 
a 10% of it done and then 10% of a hundred other things done. I don't, I don't know like that. It just felt, I felt like that happens to me where it's like, this is my goal. And then I end up doing a thousand other things. Yeah. Prioritizing is a, is definitely uh, one of my weak suits. It is yeah. for you. T- interesting. Okay. ADHD. It's my ADHD <laughs> is what I blame it on, but, uh, but I know it, better. But is it not true that there's, there's, um, so like the speakers is a more immediate pressing issue than extra soundproofing and affinity. So like, what about like the urgency of emails that show up in your inbox that day? You know, like what about, I, I don't want to say low hanging fruit, but more urgent things. Is it ADD or ADHD or is it, <laughs> this is how you, I, I don't know. I don't know, but it doesn't feel as satisfying as if I had just finished the project I wanted to start today, but was it better for the business? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, there's always stuff coming up. So, you know, you do have to prioritize what's most important. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's the challenges of running a business is you always mm-hmm. got to be on, your, you know, tip of your toes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, we, we do. We do have a, we call it a Sunday summit um, or a Sunday focus where we have a piece. Both of us get a, a paper and we write down our priorities for, mm-hmm. for the week. And we consider the things like, mm-hmm. okay, what would you be really upset about if you did not get finished this week? And so we start with priorities. Now, like Lance said, emergencies come up all the time, especially in a float center. The hard part is knowing what's an emergency, what's really, what really needs to replace that. Sometimes I think I, I have a tendency to make emergencies of things that truly aren't quite emergencies. <laughs> um, so you have to start thinking about where does it, you know, what kind of value does it add to the business or um, you know, I have to find different ways to look at it because sometimes I, I do, I get off on my prioritizing. Right. It's a tough thing for anybody, especially an entrepreneur, hmm. I think. Cool. I appreciate you guys' input. Yeah. I want to, I want to hear about your guys' week. Uh, one final thing I want to mention, not, not necessarily something happened to me this week, but just something that I've been hearing about, uh, for, for a few weeks now are people telling me their business ideas or business ideas that I should do for my business to get, a hundred percent business to win at business. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but, um, just, and I know we've talked about it on the show before, but the idea that ideas are worthless, they are worth absolutely nothing unless you have the ability or somebody with the ability to execute those ideas. And if they don't fit for our business model, or if they like, if you don't have the means to make it happen, then it's just DOA. It's not where it has zero value. Um, and I think the only exceptions to that are like if you have a piece of code and um, somebody actually, you know, takes that concept or that code, I think that can be something where somebody is truly stealing that or if they have more resources, whether that be financial or just more means to to accomplish an idea and for you to do it, it would take more energy. I think somebody can steal it and get ahead before you. But I think that's a very rare instance. I think in most cases, nobody's going to have the drive to execute your idea the way that you do. And uh, I think that's just a very difficult concept for people to understand. I have a billion ideas. I think there are a, 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 so many things that um, could help the business or that I want to do, fun projects, things for the float community, and not even 1% of them you know, get any kind of a start, let alone a start and a quick failure, you know, which happens a lot to me as well, and, and I'm sure anybody. Sure. I, I don't know that you guys have any input on that, but I, I yeah. just, it's been coming up in my life quite a bit recently. 
And I think you're right. You know, we, we talk a lot about how um, people come talk to us about starting a float center. We've had over 350, over 400 people talk to us about starting a float center. We've gotten inquiries of some mm. sort, phone calls, visits, mm-hmm. emails. And out of all of those, one person has started a float center. Wow. So, um, but, you know, I, I get so much joy and I have so much fun about talking about ideas um, and you never sure. know where they're going to, where yeah, you're going to, where they're yeah. going to lead you. So mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of joy in talking about that, cool. a lot of yes. um, fun in talking about that. So um, ideas themselves, it's true, they're worthless, but you never know what you're going to find or the way that it might uh, mm-hmm. change the way that you look at situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's the fun. As an entrepreneur, yeah. that's the best part is is playing with ideas and dreaming. Nice. Because um, who knows what's going to happen in the future or and when it, that idea mm. might might uh, come in handy. Yeah, I love it. And and maybe, it, like you said, maybe it's never tangible. Maybe it just changes the way you do things. Maybe it's just a little yeah. seed back there. Ah, oh, I love it. Mm. Oh, that's my favorite thing to sit around and, and dream. My father <laughs> and I have planned so many businesses and none of them have ever happened. But man, did we have a good time planning them. That's great. That's great. Interesting. Lance, what do you think? Uh, oh, yeah. Like, I have a million ideas as well. I, I Sometimes I feel like I can't stop the right. ideas from coming. And yeah. And I actually rely a lot on John for some of that. I'll call John. John, your business coach. I have coach. this idea. Yeah, my business coach. Sorry, and I'll dump all my ideas on <laughs> him because um, he he's a lot he's similar to me the way he processes things, uh, and he's always having ideas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he just says, "Write it down, and we'll get back to it in a couple of days." So <laughs> I'm all excited. I'll write it down, and yeah. you know, next day I sort of forget about it, and I'll go back and look at some of the things I've thought about. And, but it is good to, like we just said, stay focused, talk about the ideas, write it down, always write these things down, and yes. um, you never know what the future is going to hold, just like you just both said. Right. Yeah. It can spark something really amazing. Oh, yeah. You know, the podcast was an idea, I think, just a short time after the float shop opened, Brian and I were talking about doing a, bo- a podcast about float centers. and. I mean, obviously, that went through about four years, four and a half years of development before we we launched the show. So, yeah, talk about, yeah, just having that little spark, talking about ideas, all that, and just getting inspired, seeing what drives you. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, guys. I know, I know some of the ideas I have. It's like, okay, this is a great idea. This could definitely make money, but right now, yeah. I don't have any time. <laughs> totally. And I don't have any money. Yeah. So we'll just put that on the side for a few years. When I right. have more of that, we'll get back to you. <laughs> more of those two things. Yeah. <laughs> so Amy, I um I'm friends with you on Facebook and I've yeah. seen I've seen quite a few posts recently. Lots a lot's going on. Do you want to share? So much. Any so much. About your week? Well, uh yeah, I'll definitely share about my week. So we are in the middle of a bit of a remodel. Um we are actually uh, completely destroying, taking up the con- uh, taking our floors down to the original concrete, and um, then building the floors back up and putting a new slope on. Uh, when we first opened the, of course, Metro Health. So yes, back to the rate state regulations. They required us to use get this painted concrete on the float room floors. And as you can imagine, that didn't work so well. I can't uh, imagine, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That lasted about three months of Mark uh, painting the uh, floors every other day um, because the paint, uh, chunks of concrete were being uh, oh, just that's right. washed off. It was, it was really bad. So we finally got this uh, certain, this very specific epoxy floor approved after spending a few hundred dollars and begging very, very much. Um, 
And they put it over our concrete floors. And unfortunately, because the concrete was in such rough shape, the, the floors kept, uh, we, had, we had a lot of problems. We've been actually replacing our floors uh, every year. Wow. Which is, yeah, which is not a small thing. So, and then trying to do, get away with some repairs. But we decided we're going to do it right. We're going to take off the floors. And then while we're in there, let's go ahead and put some FRP on the wall uh, behind the tanks. Let's go ahead and put some marine paint on the wall. Uh, so we have this big plan and we're going to do it all in, you know, four days because, of course, that sounds like a lovely way to spend four days. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, four days of uh, surely we can get all that done in four days. You know, if oh, you and just clear we, your schedule, right, I think that's fine. Right. Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, and then we decided we were going to fix tank number three and we we're going to paint oh, tank number boy. three. And then we we're going to paint the bathroom. No, we were only going to touch Jeez. up the bathroom. So you know how it goes. It just kind of steamrolled. So I had this list. I had a list, and I had you know every day planned out. Um, you know, so well, so as long as you have a list, I, right? I had a good. list. I had a plan. I had. A, I went into it with a plan. I made sure we had all the everything we needed. I was. I am so organized. I'm so on it. Okay. <laughs> so it's Sunday night. We shut down early because we have to uh, take out both of our tanks. Well, we have to drain the water, take out two of our tanks, completely take them out. I'm like, okay, I understand. Not too bad to take out an oasis tank or a or an escape pod. I mean, escape pod. There's a lot of screws and things, but yeah, that's easy. We've done it. We've done it many times. No problem. Okay. So we left ourselves about six hours. So nine hours later, um, <laughs> we, <laughs> the the oasis. We had broken the top of our oasis. The bottom was stuck wait, in wait our a floor. Minute. You broke the top. Okay. So um, I, I won't mention any names, and that's ah. okay. I haven't mentioned them on the podcast before anyway, but um. We had someone accidentally uh, kind of teeter and fall, not fall, but he ended up stepping on the top and broke the fiberglass. Oh, whoa. And then, (laughs) thanks to Metro Codes, we had to build, or not, yeah, Codes, we had to build a wooden frame around the bottom of our float tank. And so when we went to get the bottom of the oasis out, um, we, (laughs) they had glued uh, the oasis tank to the wood. No. And to the floor. <gasps> what? And yeah, they'd put some on the floor and they siliconed, which is silicone, not a big deal. We thought that's all it was, was silicone. Uh-huh. No, 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 they they glued it. Oh my God. <laughs> so we couldn't get it out. So we got five people in and we started slamming against it and we finally broke it free. But of course, it also needs repairs. So, you know, it, so it snowballed from there. But oh um, at the Oasis, we had some issues with it, which was not due to the, or not, not the Oasis, the escape pod, but was not due to the pod itself. It's just, it, we just had some issues because of the way we had to put it in. But um, so, yeah, so that's how it started. <laughs> and, <Nice. laughs> so now here we are. Um, the floors still aren't done. Um, we are 3000 over budget. We've had a broken window. Um, we have to get a new door for our escape pod. And, oh, wow. you know, the normal, you know, it, we expected things to go wrong. It <laughs> happens. I mean, you know, what I gotta are you going to do? I got to say, that's pretty epic. What, what you're describing it's, is pretty, <laughs> pretty so, wild. So, so we're going to be going, um, we're going to be going uh, into Friday morning, probably. Um, well, we have to open Friday morning. We don't have a choice. So we will get it right. done. But it's an adventure. And I know that every single float center owner, including you guys, understand this because every time you have a project it always always goes over budget or at least over the amount of time things at pop least. up you don't you don't yeah. expect yeah. um so i won't go through all my stories but i thought it would be really fun to take my original schedule 
And then I've been writing down every day what we've accomplished and to put it up against the reality. So I have my dream and the reality. <laughs> and so far, I'm looking at it going, holy oh, crap. Oh, my goodness. We've added eight things to the list. And um, it's, it's been a lot of fun, though. Um, okay, I shouldn't have said that. It's not so much fun, but um, it's, it's life. It's reality. And we've been at least, we've had a few moments of panic. Um, but for the most part, everybody's handled it beautifully. And we're, it is what it is. We're, we're, we're having a good time. We are having fun together, all of us. That, that's going to be an interesting yeah. one. The, the idea of... Uh... <laughs> The, the pre-list and the post-list, what actually got done. Because that's just, that's just the truest thing. I mean, yours does sound pretty intense, but like, I think that just happens to everybody. It every does, damn it time. Does. And I don't I know why it seems so easy in your head. Why we don't have this ability to plan properly. I thought, properly. <laughs> seriously, I thought I'd done so good. Uh, I made sure all the in- ingredients, no, all the equipment was here, everything we needed. I was like, <laughs> how can I go wrong? How can I go wrong? That's the problem. I ask that question. Don't ever ask that question. Because the universe is more than happy to tell you exactly yeah. how it can go wrong. This ship is unsinkable. <laughs> SS Titanic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good times. So it's all right. It's all right. Uh, but we do plan to open up Friday morning, and I'm not sure how that's gonna, what that's going to look like. But uh, Last I heard, your yeah. floors are still not done. Is no, floors are, <laughs> floors are not done. They're supposed to be done today. Um, floors are not done. Uh, they're coming in tomorrow to slope them, which means we can't start putting on the first layer of the marine paint until uh, approximately two in the afternoon. And then we have to wait six hours between the first and second um, thing, uh, first and second of the uh, painting. And we have three rooms to paint. And then we'll put on the FRP. And then we can start assembling the tanks. And then, you know, we only have three tanks to fill with salt and water and heat before Friday morning. So it's all good. And, and did you save your water? Uh, no, actually, oh, we offered it up. Uh, no, we didn't. It was about time. We were, we were about three weeks early, but it was about time to change the water out. So what we did is, as usual, we send it out, uh, a message out to local farmers, local gardeners that we do I have some available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what, some people what, show they, up with gallons and gallon jugs and things. Oh, you're killing, kidding me. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's huh. great fertilizer. It's amazing. We did have a local farmer who was going to take some of it, but uh, he had some issues last minute, was not able to. But we saw quite a few people showing up with their, their gallon drums. Uh, or, yeah, their gallon containers. How, how much of a tank mm-hmm. do you go through, people picking it up? Oh, you know, we try to do get rid of most of it. We don't like to put it down the drain. It's, you know, valuable stuff. So the majority of yeah. it finds its way to a garden somewhere. Nice. How cool is that? Yeah. And it, it doesn't yeah. become some horror movie where the... The ghost of every floater past is in the water and takes over the garden. I don't know. You might have to. You might have to follow up on those gardeners for those yeah. stories. But yeah. <laughs> I see a movie of the week in the making here. Around to something. But it's it's a nice way to you know some people are worried it. about what the salt water will do to uh, drains and septic yeah. systems and such. Um, but we just try to avoid that problem altogether. And although we did check with our our local our local. Uh, water center and they're fine with us putting it down but, yeah portland's um, too lance have you ever talked to your yeah i believe we're allowed city to... or anybody about that yeah i checked with our city water or i yeah i checked with our city and uh we are allowed to pour our water down the drain um, when we do i don't think we have yet at our studio i have at my house 
Um, but we just flush it with hot water for about 15 or 20 mm. minutes after and while it's running just to try and dilute what gets down there. Mm. And yeah, but, um, yeah, I don't think we have discarded any water yet at our studio. Oh, is that right? Interesting. You know, I, I wasn't quite ready to go down this rabbit hole, and maybe we shouldn't go too far down it, but um, the length of your float tank water, how long it should last for. Um, but maybe we should save that for a water maintenance episode. Yeah, that's a, that's a rabbit hole because right? that just we can go on, how do you take care of your water? Because yeah. yep. we may have more strict maintenance routines than, you know, so-and-so. So, um, but yeah. Is that your code name for the float uh, shop? So and so, so and so. How dare so you? So. You think you have better water than us, huh? Um, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I totally forgot to introduce myself at the top of the show. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon. If anybody happens to be listening to this for the first time, I own it with my lovely wife Sandra Calm. So just just so everybody knows. Um, let's. What were you up to this week? I I know you had. Um, your business partner Matt was out of town, and so last week it sounds like you were. Um, kind of burning the candle at both ends of just um, keeping your life together and the business together um, as a business owner on your own. Did Is is that still how it's going? Have you experienced some reprieve? How are you doing? Yeah, Matt's Matt's back now, so that's been nice. Um, cool. Everything's have, have sort of leveled out a bit. It just Sometimes it sort of just feels like Groundhog Day where there's just Whoa. so much on the plate. Every single day is just wow. work. I know every Monday is maintenance Monday. There's no getting away <laughs> from Monday. And then it comes after we finish the maintenance, it's on to the construction, much like yourself on Tuesdays. And, and then, you know, it's back to the grind Tuesday through the week. And um, so, yeah, it's been nice having Matt back. Things have just sort of steadied and leveled out. But we're still, we're in the last finishing steps of, of construction. So... All that trim I was fighting with is down, and uh, we actually switched from going to uh, painted wood trim to uh, vinyl rubber trim. Nice. We're trying yes, that good, out good, for good. the nice. first time. Um, I thought it'd be nice and easy to install, but it's not. <laughs> um, that's that's due to our due to our flooring. Um, oh. We use sort we use sort of a rubber flooring, and um, uh-huh. we have this. I think it's about an eight inch tape. And when we put, before we put down our flooring, we put about four inches of tape on the floor and then we curve it up the wall when it goes mm-hmm. four inches up the wall. And mm-hmm. then when we lay down our rubber compound before it hardens, um, we trowel it up the wall as well. Mm-hmm. So it actually mm-hmm. creates like a whole bowl within our room. Sure. Um, the tape in that corners didn't sit nice and square and flush. It was sort of rounded. So uh-huh. the trim would sit at it at an angle. Oh, and the, funny. And the vinyl trim, since there's ripples in the, the tape just from oh, wow. how it's been applied, it, it wasn't sealing right. So, uh, yeah, it was a. You, you think something so simple like putting on trim would be so easy, <laughs> but of course. <laughs> of course. You know, always going back to something I worked on a year ago mm-hmm. and uh, trying to fix my mistakes I made. Oh, then, my so. gosh. Totally. I feel like I, just, I do a lot of that, fixing mistakes from years ago, uh-huh. construction stuff, or just, yeah. And, like, any time I would ever cut a corner in the past, I'd be like, ah, I'm not going to have to deal with that for forever. Well, I'm dealing with it today, and I hate me from five years ago. Yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. Like, when we initially built our center, everything was done perfectly. But this third room, we have just trying to shove it in, like, after hours or on Mondays. Right, and, right. And we now we're getting to the final steps. We're starting to see, you know, some parts that were rushed a little, you know, a little bit too much. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, what do you do? You work around it and, and yeah. fix it and do the best you can. But 
take your time, do it right the first time, measure twice, cut, cut once sort yep. of thing. And, Good motto. Yep. But yeah, just uh, so close to uh, getting everything done, siliconing everything, the showers, the trim, anything that can get wet. And then we lie down our tank, we silicone our tank to the floor, and then more siliconing. So that's where we're at. Hopefully it's up and running. You silicone the tank to the floor like a glue, like Amy was talking about, or just around the edges? Well, we use sort of a, we use drainage mats that sort of help with some sound and vibration. And then um, we actually, yeah, silicone the tank right to the ground so no water can actually get underneath it. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, we didn't do that for the first while, um, probably about for the first year in our float rooms. Uh-huh. And the salt water, we'd get under there, and then you'd occasionally get these salt monsters coming out of nowhere. Right, yep. We didn't really salt like that, monsters. so we totally. <laughs> emptied our tank into our tote and flipped the tanks and then uh, cleaned everything up so it's nice. basically brand new, lighter mm-hmm. back down and siliconed it, and that, that room has been working wonders for us. So Nice. As we move forward... Everything is getting siliconed. Wahoo. Cool. I like nice. it. Nice. I don't know that you can actually do this, but take it for what it's worth. I took a Tuesday off, a construction Tuesday. And although technically it wasn't off, it was for a consulting gig. I, I drove out and got to see somebody's place in person. Um, I guess I haven't mentioned it on the show. I mentioned it last week. I'm, I'm taking on consulting clients. So if you'd like to uh, talk to me about potentially... Uh, working with you with consulting, um, just go to artfulfloating.com and click on the consulting tab. Um, but uh, just the fact that I got to get away from the business and focus on something else, honestly, I, I can't tell you. Well, actually, you probably can relate quite well. I was just so burnt out on construction and doing it every single Tuesday and just knowing this is what I'm doing today. That to go, F that. I'm doing something else, even if it was work, felt so good. And, uh, Coming back to work today for a Tuesday felt fine. Just felt completely fine. So I, if like, I don't know if like you can give Matt that opportunity and he can give you that opportunity. I don't know if you guys are in a place where that's possible, but oh my God, I would encourage it if it's possible. Is it possible? Do you think? Uh, well, like yeah. when Matt left, he, he went to move his girlfriend across the country. I think he drove for like four days straight. Oh so, my God. You know, his, his away <laughs> time wasn't really a vacation. So right. Right. I, and we're very limited to time off and it's something I think we should definitely be having more in like more time off, but uh-huh. shit, we, <laughs> sorry, we got to put our business first, you know, like, uh-huh. you know, it's so cheap. For the little amount we pay right. ourselves, it's cheap for us right. to be running there versus paying employees. So, yep, yep, yep. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping the time's gonna, the time off is gonna come when it's, when it's right, and it is gonna come. It's just not right now. So, I did take a few days off here and there. I had some days off this weekend, but I sort of, um, I sort of did the complete opposite of relax, if you want to say. <laughs> I, I had a really good time with some friends, sort of let go. Good, yes. Of a good. lot of things. And uh, it was a great, great adventure, that's for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah, I almost need some recovery days for my day <laughs> off. You know what I mean? It's just a never-ending cycle of uh, seeking yeah. more free time. But. Mm. Here we are, recording the podcast. <laughs> this is your free In time, your free right? time? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Boy. Um, oh, oh, my yeah. goodness. Good times. <laughs> um, let's see here. So 
I, there's something I want to talk about, and it also our, our actually our advertisement kind of segues into it. So I'm not 100 percent sure how to how to handle this, but basically, uh, um, our our sponsor is the Float Conference, and they announced a lot of speakers for the Float Conference this year, um, just today as of as of the recording. Um, and uh, one of them, Lance, uh, seems particularly excited about, and I'm really interested. And, oh, and um, my one of the counselors that works at the float shop asked me about uh, coming to the float conference this year specifically for one of the speakers, and it was the same speaker, both Lance and she was excited about, Dr. Rock uh, Doblin, I believe. Rick, Rick, Rick Doblin. Doblin. So, sorry, thank you. Um, Dr. Rick Doblin. And... Um, I'm really curious to find out why you guys are, are so stoked on this guy. Um, Float Conference, by the way, is uh, in Portland, Oregon, August 20th through the 21st. You can buy tickets at floatconference.com um, and also find out who the rest of the speakers are. There's some some really interesting people on there that I'll be excited to see. Um, but I want to hear about Dr. Rick Ta- Doblin and Lance, please. I, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, Take it well. away. Okay, yeah, yeah. Rick Doblin, he is the founder of the Multiplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. So um, I believe they were founded in 1986, and he's basically a guy that sort of started to challenge the system of of psychedelics and sort of these Schedule 1, Schedule 2 substances Uh. that have been illegal not only to consume and sell, um, but... They've been illegal for research as well. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, ever since the prohibition, they haven't been able to study some of these uh, certain chemicals. So he's a uh, founder of a nonprofit association that is really getting out there, especially in the past few years, to um, spread awareness to some of these drugs and how they can be used for assisted psychotherapy, such as mm. LSD, MDMA. They've also done stuff with uh, ibogaine and ayahuasca as well, wow. and different aspects of medical marijuana. But right now, uh, Maps is working um, using MDMA for psycho assisted psychotherapy for people who have experienced like PTSD and stuff like that. And I think they're on like their second trial huh. for their studies. So interesting. Right now, they're currently looking to raise. $400,000 to buy a kilogram of pure MDMA. So if you want to help out MAPS, <laughs> then go to maps.org and help buy some pure legal MDMA. Wow. And uh, wow. Rick Doblin will be speaking at the conference. So Interesting. Um, yeah, I've listened to him on a ton of podcasts from Human Experience to Joe Rogan to Duncan Trussell. Okay. He's, uh, he's pretty well-versed when it comes to... Sure. The, um, how psychedelics can be used to to help the world, you know. Um, and our our current approach may not be the right. right approach, as most of us in the industry probably know. Right. Well, <laughs> you you said uh, was it Schedule One, Schedule Two, and I think maybe it goes up to four. Um, that sounds very familiar to the U.S. system of uh, like mm-hmm. what drugs can be used in research or how they're categorized um, for for public consumption as well. And, and I, I don't know off the top of my head because I, I really didn't know what we were going to talk about specifically for uh, what Rick Doblin does. But um, it's very interesting to me that some drugs are categorized in a very difficult to get to for medical research uh, level when um, they, they really shouldn't be there whatsoever. There's no reason for them to be there other than public scare factor, just um, 
it, it's easier to get access to more harmful drugs than it is for for ones that are, are less harmful. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, and I know I'm, I'm talking, I, I wish I had some better information on me for, for saying those things, but um, just um, from what little I've heard, uh, that's uh, there's plenty of controversy around it, and uh, I'm interested to find out what research can be done. Um, well, Schedule One drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, Schedule One drugs are classified as chemicals that have zero medicinal value and are classified mm. as addictive. Schedule mm. Two drugs um, are drugs that show some. I, I may be wrong. Please, if anyone's out there, please correct me. This is just off the top of my head. Schedule Two drugs show some uh, medicinal value. So I think like ketamine is classified as a class two drug, I believe. But okay. marijuana, I believe that's still Schedule Class One, MDMA, LSD. Um, different drugs like that so okay yeah with so maybe it was like uh-huh i was just saying with the prohibition came the prohibition on research and ever since like the the reagan administration it's sort of just been this just say no sort of <laughs> right, say right. no shove mm-hmm. it to the side and right. clearly drug use is um at extremely high rates across north america and the just say right. no mm-hmm. isn't working so right uh, maps is really there to help us shift to sort of uh let's educate and regulate and you know, use it in therapeutic settings. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, it might have been mushrooms that was scheduled as a tier one, which is um, a I think can be used for medical purposes, medical spiritual purposes, um, but is about the most non-addictive substance you'll ever take. No matter how much you enjoy it, I, I would challenge you to try to take mushrooms. You know, uh, at, at an addictive <laughs> level. So okay, um, yeah. <laughs> challenge accepted. You've been challenged. <laughs> See you at the conference. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, so sounds like this might might get some some people riled. Or not, I don't know if riled up, but I I I'm starting to get the excitement. And particularly psychedelics, I think people tend to get there's a lot of fervor around the legality and research of of um, psychedelics and then you, you throw in the float tank community and, and this is going to get interesting. Cool. It, uh, Amy, do you have any thoughts? Did you know who, who Rick was? Mr. I did Dr. not. Coblin? I Double. did not. But I don't have any issues with it. I think we, I think it needs to be discussed intelligently and um, it sounds like uh, as far as Lance knows, this is the guy to do it. So I'm going to trust Lance on this oh, one. Yeah. I think it'll be exciting. <laughs> and if it is, well, yeah. sorry. <laughs> But you know, I, I don't know. I don't know much about this. And there are but there are some really promising studies that I've read. There's some really exciting research going on. So uh, to have someone talk about this in an intelligent way and in a way that um, reframes it, I think is pretty exciting. And perhaps people that would possibly be riled up by this might walk away with a different impression. And that's um, that's pretty cool. When oh, interesting. You when know, when you I someone who can change when I said riled up, sorry. Things. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> when I said riled up, I was thinking um, people who are very excited for the legal. Ah. I feel like this community is more um, pro open to that. Although, yeah, or open to it it's at the changing, very least. Though, I think. Although I would say I would be in the more conservative camp as far as that goes. Of only so the mixing of floating and psychedelics, um, even mm-hmm. psych- um marijuana. And and float tanks. I I well. I mean, a. I'm super conservative in that. I mean, I don't know if conservative is the right word, but I don't smoke weed in general or or marijuana. So I don't um, see the benefits as much as somebody who does. But I I have also seen a lot of the um, negative effects of marijuana as well. So um, 
including our cultural stigma towards psychedelics and marijuana, and then combining this new modality called float tanks, quote-unquote new, um, with something that's edgy as psychedelics, which are illegal, or marijuana, which uh, is legal in certain areas and not legal in others, but still has tons of stigma around it. I don't know. Like, I just, um, my energy level for it is lower than my excitement is for floating in a pure state. Uh, but I, just call me a square. I mean, by all means. Um, Lance, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I just feel if you're going to sort of be a, a center, how do I put this? If you want to target uh, marijuana use and floating or psychedelics and floating, which, A, I don't think there are any legal psych... Well, there are a couple. They're not... Are, they're very little legal psychedelics, so I don't believe anyone uh. should be advertising floating <laughs> and psychedelics. Marijuana, uh-huh. some places it's legal, some places it's medicinal. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to be a center that advertises to floating and marijuana... Uh, you may be targeting a certain psychograph or demograph, but you may be turning off two other huh. parts of your market because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Amy's in the buckle of Bible Belt. She starts saying, oh, bring your medical marijuana over. <laughs> you know, there would be a lot of people that wouldn't that wouldn't like that very yeah. much and may stop, you know, going yeah. to that center because they don't want to be around those quote oh, right. you know, types. Heathens, monsters. Know. Yeah, exactly. I've got plenty it, it, of work now. Yeah. Nashville's <laughs> weird and, and it's true, Lance. It's true. Um, like I don't, I don't see there's any. If someone wants to take their painkiller or Advil before going mm-hmm, into a float, mm-hmm. float tank, there's and there's no stigma towards that. There's no, I don't see there an issue why someone smokes a joint and goes to a float tank. If mm-hmm. if that's a tool that they want to use um, to further relaxation or better themselves or help them heal, mm-hmm. all the power to them. But um, I'm just not going to be picking a side when it comes to representing my business. That, yeah, that's, that's interesting. So like uh, Sean McCormick, he owns Float Seattle. He recently posted a video talking about why it's time. I don't know if it's like time to have a dialogue about this, but yeah, weed and floating. Great mix. Combine these two. Um, and I was surprised when I watched that. I had almost no reaction to it whatsoever. Uh, did Did you see that video? And And did you guys yeah, have any managed- thoughts on it? I managed to catch that, and I believe like um, everyone who uses marijuana is uh, reacts to it completely different. Um, someone who's a frequent user is going to have a completely different high than someone who mm. maybe has smoked once or smokes once a year. Mm-hmm. And I know that some people for getting in a float tank the first time is a big thing. You know, they're spending uh, right. time with their mind. It could be scary. They could be bringing up bad memories or, or whatever happens. I know some people that smoke marijuana and freak out. So if you get <laughs> these two people and you tell them, oh, yeah, marijuana is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, just come smoke up and get in the float tank. Uh-huh. You may have someone that's, you know, not used to marijuana, stoned, freaking out in right. your float rooms. And they're not going to be leaving their best reviews because mm-hmm. it may have been the substance that altered their experience. You know, the people that are going to smoke weed, they're they're going to smoke weed and float. They're not going to tell you about it. They don't right. have to tell you about it. You, right. They're just going to do it. That's that's what stoners do. You know, Lance, I don't know if you can relate with this, Amy, uh, but um, so my, my brother, I mean, he owns a marijuana dispensary, and he, 
uh, it really enjoys floating, but he says every time he smokes before he gets into a float, he feels like he just wasted a, a bowl. Like there, it just he feels like it just goes away basically, uh, which kind of even lessened my interest in in trying it out. But do you have any different experiences with that? Well, I mean, obviously some say, people do. Sean does. You could say you you wasted a bowl. You could say you wasted a float. Um, it's all what well, you as that individual is getting out of the experience. I, well, what I think, what, what I meant by that is, and what I think he meant by that is it, it almost like, like the high just goes yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. But I, like I said, everyone reacts to it differently. Right. Um, right. I, I know some people that will smoke and go into the float tank and come out and be like, man, that was <laughs> the best ever. <laughs> but <laughs> other people will say, no, it's not for them. Um, does anybody who's not high I, talk I, like the first guy with that like, voice? No, that's, <laughs> that's every only person that people smokes who smoke. marijuana <laughs> like that. Okay. Um, okay, I'm just jotting this down. I just want no. to make sure. Because this is science. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, like every person reacts to it differently. And, um, you know, everyone's going to get something out of it differently, just like the float tank in its natural state. So, um I don't know what to tell you. I've had good floats with marijuana. I've had bad floats with marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had good floats natural. I've had right. bad floats right. not natural. So. And can I ask a follow-up just because I think you're the, our resident quote-unquote expert on this. <laughs> would be. Uh, there are generally two different types of marijuana. Is it? Uh, I was gonna, there's sati- indica and sativa. Sativa, thank you. And um, one of them is going to be more thought-provoking, get your brain going. The other is going to kind of shut it down a little bit lazier, go to sleep style. Have you tried both, and have you had different experiences? Um, we don't have legal marijuana around here, so it's very <laughs> hard to find sativa. Oh, uh, okay. Which is uh, the more brain-activating one? Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah. No, I, I can't say. I can't speak on most of that. Okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe it, somewhere where you can actually pick your strains of weed and and use that for your float. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I if if I'm any of our listeners that. have any thoughts on this, I want to hear it. Um, of course, you can leave messages on the uh, Facebook page, but I would love to hear your guys' voices on this one. If if you're willing to put your your voice out there on this topic, I'd I'd be really interested to hear your opinions. Um, based on last year's float conference, I know you guys have opinions on this, so I'd I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> Um, shoot, there was something, oh, you know, one other thing I want to say, um, I don't, I don't want to just keep doing laps on this, but maybe there is a little bit of a difference between, um, saying come into my business. Um, like Sean is, that's more, um, I, I don't know if he put his logo on it or not, but that's more, uh, marijuana, my business. I, I promote marijuana in my business as opposed to, um, I encourage psychedelic research and it, combined with floating are, are two kind of separate things. And, um, I don't know. They just they just feel a little bit different to me, and I, I'm not 100 percent sure where where I was going to go on that one. I think both can be risky. Both can have high yield as well, you know, high return, but also just come with the risks, per, particularly perception. And yeah, I don't know. I think there comes a lot of risks when it comes to people using psychedelics in the float tank. Oh sure. Uh, if that's what you're getting at. No, no, mine was more more perceptions business, like the industry as oh, a whole. Okay, yeah. Um, I gotcha. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm assuming any risks. I mean, if, if there was actual research happening, we'd be in a safe environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, there was a comic strip that showed up in The New Yorker. 
and actually it seems to be featuring our, our sponsor float away i don't know how they got that gig but um uh, well well obviously we'll um put the picture up in the in the show notes here but float away sensory deprivation deprivation is written on the wall there's a gentleman holding open a float tank and there's a lady in the float tank in a bathing suit that's saying okay i'm ready to start visualizing don't open the tank until bernie sanders is the nominee um and i hate to say this but i didn't get this joke i didn't get it I felt like I was reading a Peanuts cartoon when I was, you know, 10 years old. Like, most of those just went over my head. And um, what does this mean? Like, what is the punchline of this joke? Is it saying that she's going to be in a float tank forever? Is it saying that it's just hopes and dreams to get Sanders nominated? Like, I literally, like, I saw it mostly on pro-Sanders uh, people's Facebook pages posting this, so it seemed like pro-Bernie. But when I read it, I'm kind of like, I, I, I don't know what's being said here. Anybody? <laughs> uh, visualizing to manifest. I don't know, but uh, she's got she's got some time in that tank by the, by the looks of our political oh, yeah. sure, sure. Uh, field at this time. I see it as someone running away from their problems. Right. Okay. <laughs> like, just going to hide in a float tank and wait for everything to blow over. Wake me up when September ends sort of thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> huh. I don't know. I, I don't who's, either. Who's Bernie Sanders? I don't know. <laughs> no. I don't know who this guy is. Um, but uh, I don't know. Okay, interesting. I, I was actually hoping to really like get like, ah, Dylan, this is what you're missing. Here's the joke and punchline. Um, maybe it was just not a great cartoon. <laughs> Shouldn't people get it? I don't know. But it has a float tank. Um, and I was, I was, yeah, but it has a float tank. So I was kind of curious <laughs> if people were posting that on their walls. I don't think... We posted on the float shop wall. Um, did you guys post it on yours? No, and I didn't see a whole lot of people posting it. Could be, of course, what whatever uh, Facebook let past my uh, sure. timeline, but I didn't see a whole lot. No, Lance. I didn't either. Mm. I seen some stuff on Instagram floating around, but sure. And and like you said before, Instagram is a little bit more playful, whereas Facebook is kind of more your business presentation and politics yeah. and floating, or yeah. even just any business politics in your business. Maybe not. I, mean, I, I don't know. Do you feel that there's a chance of alienating? I think no, it's probably too the, small of an alienating. The joke doesn't make peeps? any sense. <laughs> Who are you going to alienate? I don't know if it's pro Bernie or anti. Is that a Trump campaign ad? I have no idea. I I, I have no read on that. Um, I was hoping to get some answers, to be honest. Um, well, if you'd like to look at that comic and figure out what the heck it is, uh, artofthefloat.com firing employees or terminate is there a, a p what's the pc way of of letting employees go or is it just that letting employees go mm-hmm. <laughs> firing i feel like everything's been softened um but uh <laughs> yeah uh, do you want to do you want to take it off the bat amy or do you want me to um yeah so this is an interesting topic simply because we haven't i shouldn't say we struggled with it. we've only fired one person we did have to go that way uh at one point um but we have discussed it a lot since then simply because you know it brings up a lot of really uh interesting things or hard things for us to face simply uh starting out with well when do you fire someone Mm -hmm. and i think that's the place that we really came to it's like we really need to decide when we want to fire someone because i think 
I believe in our case that we really let it go on too long. And I yes. think in this situation, being a float center or being even a massage therapy uh, place, uh, as I was before, we do have a tendency to, uh, we want to care for people. We want to think we can fix people. I think that's our personalities because we're in a, in a career where we're there to help people. So, true. Uh, so, uh, so I think the place to start with this is really when do you fire someone? How do you know it's time to fire someone? Yeah. Have y'all, Dylan, I don't know if you've been in this situation, but have you had to fire someone or do you have any uh, firm rules or guidelines as to what makes you consider that or, mm -hmm. or how did you get to that place? Um, so you were not on the episode where Lance and I were talking about um, stories, hiring stories. Mm -hmm. And one of them was um, a girl that I did have to fire. This was within months of opening. It was very, very quick kind of flash in the pan. And I actually had to fire or, yeah, ask her to leave uh, in front of customers, basically, or them being nearby. And I was saying it with a smile. It was very uncomfortable and a weird, weird experience for me. Um, but it was so kind of a adrenaline fueled in the moment that I didn't I didn't even have time to think about it. Whereas I think what we're talking about is uh, but so she showed up like um 40 minutes late for work or something like that so like uh showed up didn't open and i got there fired her and introduced clients to their floats um but yeah uh so welcome to running your own business small business yay um <laughs> but it's uh i think what we're talking about in general is a little bit more the longer term you have an employee who's there and when do you decide they're not a good fit and when when is it the are they worth putting more energy into because mm -hmm. they can yield, you know, positive results for your business. And we've been on both ends of that spectrum. Although uh, when I was um, thinking back on all the employees that when I was thinking about the ones who we fired, we didn't fire them. They left. Um, mm -hmm. And we always waited too long. And, um, you know, part of it in any relationship, it's probably satisfying to be the one to say, I'm, I'm done with you. Um, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. What matters to me is, again, back to your question, is how soon do you, do you cut the cord? And I think we're always too late on that. Yeah. And, and I think it's uh, something that we, we learned that lesson the hard way uh, because being a small business and being that we only have, I think there's, let's see, one, two, three, we, had five, we have five employees um, and there's Mark and I. So we're a very small place. So mm -hmm. when someone starts to slack or starts to um usually we see uh, in our situation we kind of saw them degrade slowly over time um you know it affects everybody so yes, what we found yeah. ourselves doing is well we're picking up the slack form surely they'll get better um so so that brings up some hard questions too as as um as we were talking about earlier is it how much is the employee fault and, and how much responsibility do we need to take? Mm -hmm. um, so Mark and I really have been talking through when do we, when do we fire someone? What kind of steps do we go through? Are we making sure that we're communicating what we want from them yes. correctly? Yes. Um, and I, I think we doubt ourselves too much. Yes. Um, but, but if you leave someone there, it affects business. And ultimately we are there <laughs> to run a business. Uh, what you're sounding sounds so familiar on our side. This, I think we're going through the same things here. Um, like identifying first, you know, an, an issue, I think, is one of the, the most important things because sometimes it can they can be doing their work. But what the main issue I've had is negativity 
um, somebody becomes unhappy in the workplace and then that starts festering and then it really starts bleeding off into the other employees. Um, and we most recently, um, last girl who left the business, we were just about to fire, but uh, I mean, obviously she left, which was, which was great, but it left a, a really negative kind of shockwave, this, this vibration or I don't know, ripple effect, um, uh, for months down the road of, of kind of cleaning it up and ref- pulling everything back together, our company culture. Um, mm-hmm. yet we've had other people where, you know, we, we have a meeting with that person and it, and it goes great. And maybe we need another meeting with that person six months down the road, but that's, that's okay. You know, and, and the company culture seems seen, uh, stays very solid. The customer interactions stay solid. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And those are two important things to look at. Number one is the, is the problem something that they have been doing successfully and then it started to mm-hmm. decline mm-hmm. or was it something that, um, they've never been able to catch like you thought that they were going to be able to do it and you keep waiting for them to, to shine and they never are able to meet a certain standard mm-hmm. or, um, you know, so if they're, if they've never met a standard to begin with then having a conversation with them about <laughs> correcting it, you know, I'd have one conversation, but if, it, if it's not corrected quickly, well, we, we're not here to rehab as much as we want to. I want to be everyone's, you know, mama. I want to take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got to get out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, if it's something that we've seen a decline, I think that's a great thing to do. We actually, uh, Mark and I created a, a sheet where we can list specifically what is the issue. And we have this while we have a conversation with them. We list the issue. We talk to them. We ask what their input is. We ask if there's anything that we can do to help them change mm-hmm. that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, is, there, is there a place that we're feeling? Are we not communicating? Is there something that you're missing? Or do, we, do you not have the tool that you need to complete this task? Um, and then on the paper together, we come up with how are we going to correct this? And it's a very, it needs to be a very specific and measurable thing. Um, and they sign the paper, uh, it goes in their file so we can revisit later and, uh, and see if there's been a change. Mm -hmm. Now, if we start building those up, then perhaps, Mm -hmm. uh, we need to let that go. And I I think it's hard. I, I know the, we were talking about someone where, it was like, okay, we need to have another talk with them. We need to have another talk with them. It's like, wait a second, how many talks are we going to have here? Yep. It just went on and on. Um, but yeah, the first thing I think to look at is, is it something that they've done successfully? Is this, is this uh, a standard that you want them to reach something they've already done successfully? Or have they never met it successfully? And that might determine uh, where you need to go next. Whether cut ties immediately, maybe they just weren't mm-hmm. cut out for that type of business. Mm-hmm. Or have that conversation and see what what kind of um, things you can fix. Well, can I ask you, so I, you seem ahead of the curve, uh, at least for us, in you know, having a paper trail, making sure that there are meetings mm-hmm. and, and keeping track of all of that. I, I think that's great. And that's how a business is run, how a real business is run. Mm-hmm. But um, do you ever feel like you didn't know, uh, like you misread somebody and you thought this person is, is out they're, they they should go, but you don't fire them, and then they have a turnaround. It turns out they're awesome, um, or is your instinct always right? Um, intuitively, I, I I think everyone should trust their intuition. I think ultimately there is there is um, something to that. But like I said, I, I think if it's something they've achieved successfully before, and we've just seen a change, mm-hmm. um, then absolutely you need to sit down and have that conversation. 
um, and, and see what you can work out. I, I, um, if that potential is there, you know, why not? I think it's smart yeah. to do, especially okay. if you, you know, it's, it's expensive to hire someone new. Right. Yeah. It's expensive and it takes time. So you do want to, and that's, but, but finding that fine line between, um, am I giving them a chance or am I prolonging it because I really don't want to deal with it or I really mm-hmm. don't want to hire someone else? You know, you kind of get yourself into a situation where, you know, it's tough. It, it, um, you know, if I fire this person now, uh, I have plans. What if I, I can't, <laughs> right. uh, but you know what I'm, you know, saying? Yes. it's like, well, no, you know, we, know have, exactly. we just picked up some consulting work or we've, we've made plans to do this other work. And if we, this person already knows the office and if we have to bring in someone new, it's going to start to interfere with that work. It, you almost feel, and then you start to feel like you have no, that you're helpless in this situation. Yeah. And I never want to, I never want to feel that again. I never want to <laughs> feel, um, that I'm helpless or I can't do anything. Yep. Uh, about it. it's my business it's my baby i need to be in control of that wow yeah sandra and i have had that conversation so many times of yeah this person has to go but we really need somebody over the next two weeks here we've got a lot of vacation time coming up you know like people are going to be out of town so we should probably keep them great so we're going to have a mediocre employee here for the next two weeks like but then but then what do you do you let them go um yeah, in our case, yeah, we need to let them go, do what's right for the business, and Sandra and I need to work more hours. That's that's generally, I mean, I'm sure there's some exceptions to that, but I think that is what you have to do. You have to be in control of your business and treating it right, you know? But I, I'm not sure of the specific situation um, that you had, Dylan, but mm-hmm. you can see how quickly negativity and such can pull everything down. Um, and the longer you let it go, the oh harder gosh. it is to change it later on. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm speaking from... I don't know if the same experience, but once those standards start to degrade, it's really hard to work everybody back up. Mm -hmm. It's really tough to start demanding more of someone when they're not used to that. Yeah. Um, And it's it's a lot of work for everyone and it's a hard adjustment for everyone. You know, they say um, like how much you're paid has very, very little to do with your happiness at work. And so if company Mm -hmm. culture crashes, it's just game over. Like that's all we have, especially as small businesses when we can't pay a 100K salary with benefits. You know, Uh, company culture is all we have. And fortunately, we're in a really cool industry, but um, attitudes can still completely just just topple it down. yeah, go ahead, please. And and it's not just them, too. You know, we, every time this happens, I, I shouldn't say every time, like, this happens a lot. But when we start to see some things degrade, we start to see some um, some things changing with our employees, which, fortunately, it's, we've never really had any, any real problems. We've had really great people come through. Mm-hmm. But Mark and I have to look at ourselves. Um, are we, are we giving off different vibes? Are we telling people that certain things are different priorities? Is Mark telling them this needs to be done every week? And I'm like, ah, it's not really that important. This needs to be done. Are we giving Mm -hmm. them conflicting priorities? Um, are we not communicating? I know I'm a bad communicator with my employees. I'm sure they will, any, every single one will probably tell you that I'm, I struggle with it because I'm, I'm very, um, (laughs) self I shouldn't say it this way but I'm very self-centered I'm, I'm paying attention to what's going on in my little world <laughs> right. and I'm assuming like everyone's an adult everybody can take care of that stuff out there everybody's everybody can like read my mind they know exactly what I mean by hey dust the office for me oh, um, right. mm-hmm. so we also have to start taking I think a little bit more responsibility managing people and being with employees is really tough and it takes a lot for me especially as an introvert takes a lot of energy um, and it's really easy for me to say, oh, I don't, 
I don't really want to, you know, go through with this. I don't really have that conversation. That conversation right. is going to be really tough for me. Um, so I'll, I'll back off from it. Um, but I have to take blame then as things get worse. Mm-hmm. I'm allowing it. I'm well, allowing them to continue to do whatever they're doing. I think some of the things you're touching on kind of goes to a, a kind of a, a big picture idea of like me, I'm, I'm not a great manager. I know that. And I, I don't think I communicate fantastically to my employees there's kind of a running joke that i need to make the i I do what's called the the shit sandwich which is supposed to be a compliment negative compliment but Mm -hmm. i like to do open-faced shit sandwiches and you know i I just have a very difficult time communicating in a way that people hear it and still feel good even though all i'm saying is i need the filter change you know to me it's just (laughs) a very simple communication but um uh, particularly if i'm questioning like behaviors um even though really i'm to me, I'm talking to another, another intelligent person and I just want to back and forth on this thing. Like, here's something that I see that might need to be improved and I want to hear your side of it. It, it just sounds like bashing. Um, and so I, I am doing my best to, to improve my, my communication style for that. Um, but, but that's not where I was going with it. it. I want to get that out of the way, but then go to the fact that I've been a worse manager. You know, the, the further we go down the timeline towards the starting of the float shop, I, I was a worse and worse manager. And, and I've, I, I, that's been a very big priority of mine is to be better at that. However, if we go back three years ago and I'm a mediocre to poor manager and I have an employee with a bad attitude Today, me knows that I could have been better and that person could potentially have been, quote unquote, you know, saved. And that person could have been become a good employee again um, or, or never even gone down that that path. But you're only as good as you are in that day. And mm-hmm. so even if that employee can't. Um, it's possible you don't have the resources or the ability to bring that employee back and that might mean firing them. And that's OK. Because that's how good you are today, or does that does that make any sense? Yeah, it's almost absolutely. It it it, it um it kind of seems weird to fire somebody because you're not good enough. But if if the vibe isn't there, if everything's not gelling the way that it should be, you're not firing yourself. You got to let somebody else go. And you know, I, I like to look at it as you know we might be releasing them for something even better for them. Um, mm-hmm. if there's if there's awkwardness, if it's very difficult. Um, it's almost I have to look at like, well, it's my duty to do what's best, not only for us, but also do what's best for them if they're not happy. Um, and if if there's been something, you know, I would probably, you know, hire uh, fire someone right away if they've been caught stealing or they've been aggressive oh, with sure. clients or they're inappropriate <laughs> yeah. with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if I've seen them work and, you know, they give they give some effort towards the issues that we bring up, um, you know, let's send them off. and be there for them here. I'm here to support you with a, with a referral. If you need a reference, mm-hmm. um, what can I do to help you? You're a good person. You might not be a good fit here, but we want to see you succeed. And I'm doing that because in my mind, I'm trying to make that switch from, okay, this is my family. I have to be mama hen to, I have to look at this as, um, I'm running a business. Um, so my goal is, or my job other than, of course, helping to make sure that my business is run correctly, is to is to encourage them, be somewhat of a mentor to them, try mm-hmm. to bring out their best, try to give them the best opportunities that I can, because I think that's important as a mm-hmm. as a boss. Um, and sometimes that just doesn't that doesn't work. Um, so I hope that I never have to be in a situation where I'm 
firing someone in the situation you described, Dylan, that would be super, super, super hard. Um, but I like to look at it as I'm releasing them to go forth and do something that mm-hmm. um, that they're meant to do. And that switch has helped a little bit. Interesting. Kind of bit. You know, how often have you been broken up with or broke up with somebody else and you don't find that you're in a better place a year down the road? You know, like that that's something I, I try to keep in mind is if if we have to let somebody go, like these decisions they're okay. They're not actually end of the world. They're going to find the place that's right for them. That, that's, that's okay if this isn't working out, you know? Same, same like with uh, the first time you have a boy or a girlfriend. It goes on way too long because you don't know when to cut the cord. And, <laughs> and, and there's resentment and all sorts of stuff comes up because of that. I think that the same thing happens with running a business is you don't know when to say like, all right, this is done. This isn't good for us. Because while it's like a dating relationship, it is different, but it's a relationship, which means you are invested and, it, and it's hard to, to be the one to say, this isn't working. Yeah. This isn't working yeah. out. Um, well, like you said before, Dylan, I think, you know, you do the best you can with what you know. And mm-hmm. a good place to start is actually acknowledging that some t- at some point you may have to fire an employee. Because I'll tell you what, I didn't think about it. I assume, I don't know, I live in a fantasy land where all mm-hmm. the employees are going to love mm-hmm. everybody and everybody's going to be perfect and blah, blah, blah. Um, so the first time it happened, I know this is going to sound crazy, it felt, it felt like, oh, well, this is a shock. I, we actually have to let someone go. Um, actually, the only time it happened. So uh, it was a bit of a shock, and I wish I would have had a plan in place, at least the best plan that... I knew at that point to have, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, Mark and I, that's why I said I, we do so have somewhat of a protocol. It's not the best protocol in the world, um, but it's a start so that we know mm-hmm. that we will not let allow something to go on mm-hmm. too long. Mm-hmm. So even if you make a plan and there are some great books out there um, that have this kind of information and I can, I can put up a few on the blog later. I've, okay. I've read a few lately. I've really enjoyed um but um, there's some great books out there that at least give you a start, a starting point, because it will happen at some point, as much as I hate to think about that. Right. Uh, going in with a plan is, is, uh, nice. is going to make your but life a lot easier. It's always going to be more empowering, right? Than just walking yeah. into a room and starting and construction. For, yeah. And not just for you. It's more empowering for them as well. Mm, I think nice. it's and respectful and kind but yeah exactly i'm so glad you just said that because i I think that's exactly what before you ever fire somebody you have to have those meetings and be connecting with them and seeing where they're at because yeah it could be a learning experience for you as running the business it could be an issue with another person working there there's opportunity to grow there. there there's all sorts of potential opportunities to happen before you ever need to let somebody go for for sure yeah yeah um we're all still learning. I think that yeah, <laughs> that together on that. Yeah, and yeah. So we're um, small business owners. I think we're good people. I'll go out on a limb and say we're good people. And so, of <laughs> course, it's going to be difficult to let somebody go. I, I have a buddy who um, had a boss who enjoyed firing people. He enjoyed the the power of it. And I didn't know people like that existed, but um, I think that should always be something that's difficult for you to do. And um, Mm -hmm. so my buddy who was talking to me about that was talking about how he was now in the position where he has to let people go. Um, And and just he just called me up saying, like, how how do you handle this? Like, how how do you make this go better? Um, And one of the things I had to tell him was it's always going to suck. That's never Mm going to feel good. You you can get better at it, but it's always going to hurt to have to do it. 
Lance, yeah. um, you haven't had to let anybody go. Um, no, I haven't. But all this build-up talking about it, I can say, like, if you guys are going to fire me from the podcast, just, just let me know. Like, there on. will be an on-air meeting before that. There will be documentation. Don't worry. <laughs> no, we have not had to fire anyone. Um, I don't want to fire anyone. Yeah. But, you know, you got to plan for the inevitable, in- inevitable like mm-hmm. you just uh, like you just said. So it may mm. happen. I got to plan for it. Be prepared for it. Right. You know, Do- you can't always be the mother hen. You have to be a business, just like yeah. you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say, actually, I want to say, because it's like, boy, that made me sound like a hard ass. Um, I do document things, but there are some <laughs> conversations that are done before we document. I don't just say, oh, did you forget to put the dishes in the sink? Well, then <laughs> right. we're going to have to have a write-up about this. Right. Um, yeah, it, there's a few steps in between before we get to the to the write-up point. But um, but I don't know. It depends where state. Let's bring in this right now. It depends on which state that you're in. Oh, for sure. Um, yep. You are required to have documentation. Mm-hmm. Now, in Tennessee... We are a, what they call a right to work state where you can fire someone because you don't like the color of their shoes and there is no, wow. I mean, you, you, you don't have to have a reason. You can fire somebody for fun if you want to. Um, however, I came from Pennsylvania where there's a lot more uh, strict rules about that and uh, you are required to have some paperwork and you have to mm-hmm. be able to prove it and that sort of thing. So, and I do think paperwork is good, not just mm-hmm. because of legal issues, but also because you know you've communicated once again yeah. i have communication issues it's a way to communicate and there's something in writing that you can refer to together um yes and i believe in oregon or at least i think in portland you do need documentation as well so that that's something i need to look up to make sure that we're doing things above board um that's really interesting you can just let somebody go because i it's very yeah. that feels very freeing but at the same time um mm. i don't think that's very common um, no, it's it's not. It's very rare. And while while you're saying that you're not as litigious as as maybe you made it sound earlier, uh, I find it's very easy to be critical of myself, and I prefer to be critical than pat myself on the back. So when I talk about myself being a manager, um, I don't think my employees hate me. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I think I'm I think I'm okay. But uh, I just always want to be better at at what I'm doing. So sure. I, maybe I should. I feel like as as I'm talking to a, a lot of people out there uh, through the podcast, I, I can't just say things like how I f- feel or how I want to do it. I need to kind of make, make things a little bit clearer. So hopefully that, that gets out there a little. And yeah, and let's let's look at it in that light. I mean, everything that we do with our employees, every, the way that we teach them, the way that we nurture them, the way that we encourage and, and push them to be better mm-hmm. affects everything. It affects mm-hmm. how clean your place mm-hmm. is, how it's perceived, um, how quickly they're going to respond to something that's wrong. How your employee, how your uh, clients are greeted, um, how they're treated. So I think it's probably the most important thing that we can do is learn to be better managers because it affects everything and it mm-hmm. makes everything better. Completely agreed. And yeah, it it goes back to company culture. Just yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if somebody doesn't, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but like if they're not handled every so often, it, like touched on, you know, connected with, um, they can feel disconnected not not part of it so yeah I, I think it's it's important to have those touchstones and yeah even if you're not thinking about firing somebody it, it's important to have those touchstones and i i think we're okay at that at the shop and we have plans to be be better about it but i think they 
uh, it feels great to be able to have an opportunity to what's uh, saying on your mind outside of a company meeting and not over email and not while on shift and, you know, trying to say something to to the owner while they're, you know, trying to catch him in the hall, but having a, having a be able to go on a walk and really just talk about how things are going um, can just feel really good. And a lot, of, a lot can be released. Any tension that's building up, any animosity, anything that could become something funky can just come out and it never has to be something that becomes negative or funky. It's just, just uh, they were heard. And that's, I think, important. I agree. I agree. And, and I love that you put it in that context where it's a way to diffuse situations because that's something we're talking about firing, but let's talk about, you know, ways know, that we right? can maybe stop <laughs> <Yeah>. that from <laughs> happening. There are some places, there are some things, there's some people, you know, you're going to have to fire. Like I said, in my case, if they're stealing, if they're aggressive with clients or they're inappropriate with clients, and that includes not being loving or inclusive of, inclusive of everyone who comes in that door. Mm. Um, outside of that, you know, yeah, let's see what we can do. Let's, um, let's connect and try to, to head that off ahead of time um because like i said uh firing is expensive right right <laughs> and, i like and, that you and, keep saying and that it sucks it is, it is. It, but we forget that sometimes yep uh but and it, and it just sucks you know Let's, I, I i i feel bad I, you know you I, when you get disappointed in in uh employees that sucky feeling right it's also kind of i feel us kind of wanting to not backtrack but talk about how do we keep an employee on like all these different things because firing is such a such a weird subject to just complete termination. It's like, whoa, whoa, there's all the stuff behind that before that getting to that point um, and all these ways that it can actually go a positive way. It's funny that we're, we're drawn to want to talk about those things as well. Um, Lance, do you have any questions for us? Um, I feel like we've, we've covered it quite a bit, but is there anything that you want to ask of us specifically? Um, I don't think so. No, I, I, I... I just know it's it's important to record record the conversations. Um, that's that's or, what I really got out of this. Mm -hmm. Is like when to cut the cord is after you've recorded, you know, x amount of conversations. What mm -hmm. you think you sh if I need to if I sit down with an employee three times and write them up three times of, mm -hmm. of things that I feel we need to sit down and talk about in front of a piece of paper while recording, you know, that's almost that's almost enough. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if I could just throw one other thing out about recording is uh, if you do have a verbal conversation with somebody, I think it's really important to document that with an email afterwards saying, hey, just want to uh, thank you for the conversation where we covered X, Y, and Z and make sure that you get a response from them on that just so that it, there is um, documentation of what was covered in that conversation and there was a receipt on that. Um, I know that sounds pretty corporate and technical, and it is, but it's coa so or it's cya I mean, excuse me yeah cya and, and you do you need it for um if they file for unemployment and that sort of thing if you need to fight anything mm -hmm. uh, if you don't if you don't have any documentation it never happens right exactly that's the truth that's true with conversations <laughs> with my landlord as well um so cool yeah I, that's what i felt like a lot of all this it just feels like i really need to kick my roommates out and this whole thing, I was thinking about how I need to, like, record these conversations with my roommates so I can kick them out. But, uh, yeah, the same thing, I think, applies to a lot of aspects of life. There you go. <laughs> nice. Saving lives one at a time. Fantastic. Um, is there anything else you want to share, Amy, about firing or keeping employees on, how to make it work? Um, 
I, I, just to say, just to try to circumvent the whole firing thing, I love the idea about, like you talked about, uh, seeing them outside of work or doing something um, with them. I do you think we need to connect with employees regularly, acknowledge things. Um, I think that's just important from a uh, human standpoint. I forget. I get wrapped up in work. I forget they're actually human beings sometimes. Mm. Um, that's just my own personal problem. So I do have to make a very conscious effort to do that. The other thing is regular meetings together, uh-huh. regular staff meetings uh-huh. help to circumvent a lot of that as well. Um, and then hopefully you'll never have to have a, you'll never have to use your plan for firing someone. Nice. Nice. Cool, guys. Well, as always, you can find us on Artful Floating at, on Twitter, Art of the Float on Facebook, artofthefloat.com to check us out online um, on our website. And beyond that, yeah, love your employees. And until next week, we'll see you next week. listening to Art of the Float.